game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hyman from Kulak and McDavid, who now has a point in nine consecutive games. Off the draw, rifled home! And the Avalanche, an immediate response. It's Kale McCarr upstairs on Mike Smith. After coach's challenge for offside, it's determined that the play was onside. Therefore, we have a good goal. the controversial call from tonight late in the first period Kale McCarr scoring for the Colorado Avalanche he had a big game tonight and the Avalanche outscored the Oilers 8-6 in the opening game of the Western Conference final the Oilers at one point trailed 7-3 they got to within 7-6 late pressure couldn't tie it up and Landeskog put it away with an empty netter so another game one loss for the Oilers they lost game one to LA they lost game one to Calgary 9-6 so they have improved defensively in game one since then but the Avalanche do take a series lead thanks for joining us tonight a pleasure to be bringing you Oilers hockey presented by Friesen Brothers here on 630 Chad this is Heartland Ford overtime open line along with Rob Brown I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, the, the whole game doesn't boil down to that one play, but I know a lot of people are talking about it, so uh, we will address it here off the top of the show. So the ruling from the NHL, and I, I talked to a couple people, and I've seen uh, the other discussion online, and I also understand the confusion. So the ruling was, the, the, the NHL is saying, when the puck crossed the blue line, McCarr was not touching it. Nikushkin then, in the meantime, tagged up to an onside position. Then Makar handled the puck, and therefore it was onside. The confusion for me in this is that this was not a play in which Kale Makar, you know, was at his own blue, blue line and flipped the puck ahead and then chased it down. He was clearly in possession of the puck and handling the puck as he crossed the blue line. And the art of stick handling in the NHL does not involve your stick touching the puck 100% of the time when you have it. It involves your stick moving around. So it seems to me they may have obeyed the strict, strict, strict letter of the law, but in terms of how offside usually appears to those of us watching in person or on television, that's where the confusion comes in. At least for me, that's my look at it. Do we have Rob Kellen? Yeah, I, you know what, Reed? I 100% agree with you. 100%. I was shocked when the referee said it's a good goal. I thought he actually made a mistake. I thought, uh oh, he uh, he messed up. This is going to be embarrassing. And then they kept going, and I'm like, okay, no, no, there's no way that that is a good goal. Now I understand the the ruling. Uh, I I can see why people are upset because Kale McCarr was in possession of the puck the entire time, and. Uh, as a former player, uh, I know when I have the puck, and I know when I lift my stick to when there's an offside. Okay, oh, I'm going to wait till he gets out. Okay, now I'm going to put my stick back down. Um, and the hard part for, that, for, for the Oilers on that one wasn't only just that they allowed the goal. It cost them a penalty and a power play goal against to, make, to find out the letter of the law of the rule. So I, I completely disagree with the way the rule is called or the way they interpreted it. But yeah, I understand what they're saying, and 
I, I, I can see now why the linesman took so long. I thought they were just trying to find out how much time was left mm-hmm. and, and fix it that way. Um, there's two things I've learned in the last two games that I've been around. I've been around hockey since I was just a young wee lad. And uh, no, no, I didn't know what uh, kicking motion was. And I certainly didn't know what possession crossing a blue line was on an offside. But that certainly was, it wasn't the only thing, reason the Oilers lost. Colorado is good. But that certainly put them behind the eight ball because that's two goals that I didn't expect that the Oilers would give up simply because of that call. Yeah, so the Oilers were assessed a delay of game penalty for losing a challenge, and then Kadri scored 32 seconds into the second period, and that put the Avs up 4-2. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the goal again. I mean, McCarr, is, he never lifts his stick to wait for the guy to get onside. He's he's charging to the net. I, I don't even know if he realized Nakushkin was over there. He, he's charging no, I don't, the entire time. So I don't, I don't think he did read, and that's why. And as a player, you know, I, most players know the rules. So when, when if McCarr was going across and he would have been glancing at him, so okay, his, stick, his skates are getting close, a player always lifts his stick up there just to show, just to show the linesman, don't blow the whistle. I don't have control. So I, McCarr didn't didn't have he he th- he had control. He thought that he was on his way in, and it was just uh, there's been two really odd calls in the last two Edmonton Oilers games that I had no idea okay. about. Sorry, Rob. I'll let you finish there. And, and no, I just and it's uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, it's it's one game, one incredibly exciting game that had more storylines than just that. Uh, controversial call. Well, I, I'm, here, here's what I think happens in situations like these. And and you and I actually disagreed quite strongly on some elements of the Coleman goal. But the mm-hmm. bottom line is, is that we both thought it was going to be allowed yes. when, it was, when they first looked at the video replay. I... Uh, I interviewed John Shannon, who we have all on Chet all the time. And as you and I know, Rob, John knows people. And if he says he talked to somebody behind the scenes or maybe in the situation room... I believe John. I mean, he knows Gary Bettman. He knows people in the NHL. And he, he, he so I, I didn't have Inside Sports on Friday because of the Elks game. So I did this and I just put it up as a podcast so people can find it on my Twitter account. And John said that his understanding was as soon as the Coleman goal went in, they thought something might be up because it mm-hmm. went in off the skate. So they review it and they ultimately overturn it and, and make it uh, make it no goal. Tonight, the Oilers challenge and the call on the ice is onside. And, uh, again, by the strict letter of the rule, appa- apparently it was, though even the fact that he wasn't – I mean, he, he, might, he was so close to touching the puck. He was so close. I Look, er, these people are human beings, and I think it is very hard for, for anybody in these situations, and I know they're paid to do it, and I, and I know they usually get it right. I think we, for, just to let you interject here, you would, you would agree with me that the NHL usually gets it right. Yep, yeah, okay. absolutely. So, absolutely. They're the best, at, they're the best of the business in it. But, but I think sometimes in these situations, you see something, and then you go look at the video to prove it, as opposed to we thought we saw something, and now we have to look at it, and we try to ha- but we have to try to look at it without any preconceived notions. I think with the Coleman goal, somebody said, that went off a skate, and I wonder if he was looking down and he kicked it, and they looked for evidence that proved their point. Mm-hmm. And I think tonight, they looked for evidence that proved their point that it was onside, and they were backing up the officials on the ice. That's, yeah. that's what I think happened. I think it's part of the human condition mm-hmm. uh, that people are flawed, you and me included, believe it or not, Rob. No, 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 no. I disagree with that part. But but I think there, you know, whether it's called groupthink or confirmation bias, 
you know, oh, well, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a good putter, Rob, so I'm only going to tell you about the three putts that I made and not the 15 <laughs> that I missed. Or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Yeah, and, and I think this also goes back to, uh, you've talked about it a lot, and I 100% agree, is all replays should be played at full speed. And that, I mean, I, I think that when you start talking things where if you have to break it down, and they had to break it down quite, you had to get really slow to be able to see what we saw tonight and you had to be really slow when you saw the Coleman and decide if that was pushed in the with a skate or not that to me that takes away the spirit of the game I think if you watch a replay because the, the replays for the offsides came into play because some guy was 20 feet offside in a Pittsburgh Penguin game about a decade ago or whenever it was so they said okay that can't happen again so they put this rule in and all the plays that are now being called back are less than an inch every single time and you're thinking okay that had nothing to do with the play if, if a guy goes half an inch offside or an inch offside on the far side had nothing to do with the play so you're taking good goals away from something that had was no relevance in the play so to me play any replay you do play it at full speed and if you at full speed can see okay i was wrong we got to overturn this then 100 do it but if you can't see it in full speed to me, then let's get rid of it. It's it, it, it's taking too much away from the game. It's changing the game too much on something that really had no relevance in the game. So if I was president of the NHL for one day, that would be the first thing I would do. Yeah, interesting debate. But I, I think there are a lot of other reasons the Oilers lost this game, which we're going to discuss. Kale McCarr was one of them. <laughs> I mean, that was, a br- that was a brilliant shot, first of all. I mean, he didn't know it was going to be challenged. He put it right under the crossbar. And McCarr also makes a winner out of John tonight, a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. I set the line at one and a half combined points by Barry and McCarr. McCarr gets three, Barry gets none, so it is over. River Cree Resort and Casino set the line excitement bet on it at river Cree resort and casino eight six the avalanche win back to denver here's oilers head coach jay woodcroft to win this game what do you see defensively from your group what did you see tonight that you're giving up so much right yeah now? to a man we weren't good enough defensively we were uh score six goals in a game you should win the game and um for us um we know we can be better and uh we will be as we move forward here Jay, you've skated with this team multiple times in the regular season. How do you think you guys handled their speed, and especially in the first half of the game? Well, um, all of the games that we played against them have been one basically pretty close games. Now, the other games in the regular season were a lot tighter defensively on both sides. Um, you know, we, we scored six goals on their goaltending tandem tonight in their building. That should be enough to win the game. Um, for me... You know, there's things that we have to do uh, in terms of um, preventing. Um, sometimes I think it's not about what you what you get; it's about what you're giving up. And uh, we gave up far too much tonight. Left side, Robbie. Were you satisfied with the explanation you were given on the offside? Then, to what extent do you think that was maybe a turning point? In- I didn't really get an uh, an explanation at that point. Uh, you know, um, you know, we looked at it. Uh, we felt uh, the player had control of the puck. Didn't know that there was an offside player. Um, we thought it was uh, the right move to to challenge that call. It didn't go our way. That stuff happens. Um, you got to live with it and move on. We made the decision to do it. it we felt, we still feel it's the that uh, the player had control of the puck. Um, 
you know, but as I said, uh, you know, things happen in hockey games. You got to move on. We didn't get the kill. That was disappointing for us. Um, but we found a way to chip away and get back in the game. But I'm going to keep going back to it. We didn't, we didn't win or lose the game because of that, that call. Um, we gave up too many goals against, and there, we got some work to do to clean it up. Jay, you've been a video coach in this league. Have you seen something like that before, that quick, in terms of you know establishing control over the blue line or not? Well, and I, I think control is a discretionary kind of uh, discretionary um, thought process. Um, you know, I think it's not as if the player uh, knew someone was tagging up, lifted his stick up, waited for it, and then went back. He's under full control. And anyone that's carrying a puck over a blue line, whether your stick is on the puck or not, you know, that's, that's debatable. In the end, as I said, uh, those things happen in hockey. You got to get over it. We, uh, we talked about that. Ultimately, we didn't get the kill. But uh, that's not why we won or lost the game. We gave up way too much. And we got some things that we got to clean up. Well, will, you big, will, your, will your biggest takeaway from tonight be, be the start and like what you've talked about or the fact that your team did fight back and, and make it a game when it was 7-3? Well, I, I, I don't know about the start. I mean, we scored the first goal. Uh, yeah, yeah, but we, we scored the first goal. We were doing some things that we were okay with. Um, we didn't like what we gave up. And, uh, you know, we score a goal, we give up a goal on the next shift. Uh, they go up, uh, we find a way to claw back in the last minute of the period. We give up a goal um, immediately after uh, off a of face-off win. Those are all things within our control. We can sharpen up, and uh, we're going to have to as we move forward because that's a dangerous hockey team over there. We understand that. Um, bottom line is, to a man, we can all be better. Jay, sorry to just right yeah. here. Um, sorry to go back to the, to the offside, but uh, in the regular season, you guys were, were five and zero and mm -hmm. contesting these challenges. You have tremendous respect for for Jeremy uh, and the work that he does. I just yeah. wonder if it, you know. I understand you're saying it's discretionary that the, the possession, but just control, like control uh, is yeah. discretionary. Yeah. Um, does you know does a does a call like that kind of get you know make you reassess the way you kind of go about no, making those types of challenges? No, not at all. No, we have uh, complete faith in our process. Um, we believe we're making the right call. In the end, um, didn't go our way. But as I said, you got to be able to weather that stuff. And um, for us, that wasn't the um, the reason we won or lost the game. We gave up way too much. And there's things we're going to have to do in order to, to clean that up. On the positive side of things, I'm going to go back to this. We scored six goals in their building on their goaltending tandem. Uh, that's, a, that's a positive thing for us. So there's things we did offensively um, that we feel good about. But in the end, I, I'm going back to it. It's not about what you get. Sometimes it's about what you give up. Uh, you, right. guys, you guys lost game ones of both your previous series mm -hmm. and you lost one of them in an almost identical fashion in Calgary and you came back and won both series does that mm -hmm. give you you know is that a something to hang your hat on I guess yeah yeah I think uh, Colorado's a different animal um, so we have that experience uh, the bottom line is we're gonna have to elevate our game a little bit and it's on the defensive side of things um, but we're a confident group 
Um, you know, that game right there, that's finished. Uh, we'll go over it. We're going to digest it. We're going to give our players something to hang their hats on. But in the end, uh, our thoughts and our concentration and our attention is on to game number two now. We'll do two more. Frank in the middle. Uh, Jay, you, you've talked a lot about setting the tone and dictating the style of play that your team plays. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like with so much talk maybe heading into this series about the stars on either side that maybe some of your guys were watching their stars at least in the first half of the game? Not as much as they might have been watching our stars. You know, I, I think, um, y you know, the games in the regular season were tight-checking um, defensive battles, but they were, it was excellent hockey. I thought today was um, defensively we were sloppy. But again, I'm going to go back to the six goals that we scored on that team, too. I don't know if they can be happy with that. Um, that's up to them to, to figure that out. Uh, for us, we just know we have, uh, we have a lot better. And to a man, uh, we can compete a lot harder defensively. And if we do, we feel good about our chances, about uh, you know, our ability to score. As I said, we hung six goals on their, their goaltending tandem tonight. Any more questions for Coach? Okay, thanks, Coach. All right, that's Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers after the Oilers lose 8-6 to the Colorado Avalanche. So he addressed the, the offside challenge. Rob and I talked about it. Some other heavy points in this game, Rob, and uh, we'll get to many of them as we move along here. But, but here's something for me. The Oilers take the lead. Avalanche score 36 seconds later. The Oilers tie it 2-2. McCarr scores nine seconds later, and yes, it's the controversial goal, but still it was a turnover in the final 30 seconds of the period when you've battled back to tie it instead of kind of taking care of business and going safely to the dressing room. Uh, McLeod gets a goal to pull the, or to pull the orders within 4-3, and Rantanen scores a minute 41 later. So there's three occasions where the Oilers, like you always say, they didn't get to enjoy their success. Colorado either went back ahead or stretched a lead they already had. Well, and I think that goes to the point that Jay Woodcroft talked about, how sloppy defensively they were. Um, when you score a goal, you should have momentum. And the next shift coming out, that group should be pushing forward. You should have the opposition on their heels, and they didn't. Uh, the next shift that came out there uh, made mistakes, uh, misreads, uh, losing guys in coverage, making wrong decisions. And it was not a well-played game by the Oilers. It was a great comeback. And the Oilers' skilled players were skilled, and they took advantage of some avalanche mistakes. But in a playoff hockey game, uh, you can't give up nine and, and win in Calgary. You can't give up eight and win in, in Colorado. And when you make mistakes against the Colorado Avalanche, they got players up and down their lineup that can score. Uh, they All four of their lines, I believe, scored goals again tonight. This It is a talented hockey club, and uh, the Oilers made more mistakes tonight than they did probably in the last three games against the Calgary Flames against a much better hockey club. So uh, the, the call and the McCarr goal and the power play goal afterwards, yeah, those contributed to the Oilers' loss tonight, but so did a lot of poor decisions defensively that the Oilers are going to have to get better with. Now, and I, I like what Jay Woodcraft kept pointing out with the fact of we scored six goals. That is a really good Colorado team. Many considered a, a Stanley Cup favorite coming in, and we scored six goals on the road and, and almost came back. So there were positives in this game, and the big positive for for the Oilers and their fans is the Oilers played very poorly without the puck, 
and they still were in this hockey game. So that's something they can build off going into the next game. 8-6, the Avalanche take it. That's a $600 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They give 100 bucks every time the Oilers score. The playoff total is up to $5,800. Also, because the Oilers scored five or more, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Head there now. Print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit JV edmonton.ca you will hear from smith mcdavid dry and nurse and we will hear from you the hotline is open 780-496-0063 it's presented by certain teed the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling systems certain teed pro all the way back in a couple of minutes with more heartland ford overtime open line Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Four early moments of the third period. Brandon took it away from Yamamoto. In on net, Rister save Miko Koskinen. So Miko Koskinen comes in to relieve Mike Smith with 1340 left in the second period. Smith was beaten six times on 25 shots. Koskinen winds up stopping 20 out of 21, but he takes the loss because he allowed the game-winning goal. That was his save of the game for Reface Magic. Save money on your kitchen renovation. Don't replace Reface. All four goalies played. Rob, a bit of an odd one. Darcy Kemper started for the Avalanche. He allowed three goals on 16 shots. Upper body injury. So uh, I'm just trying to see if there's an update online here. I can't see. I, I right think now. Reed on when he got hurt was on the McLeod goal. Okay. Because he uh, the McLeod goal uh, I think it was Fogel that shot him. It hit him up high and then it fell. He didn't know where it was and McLeod put it in the empty net. And it was not long after that that he came out. I'm, I'm thinking something stung him on the Fogel shot because he couldn't control it. I mean, you, goalies at this level. A shot by Warren Fogle, you're probably going to control that puck. I think it just hit him in a weird spot. And it wasn't long after that that he came out. And that'd be a huge loss for the Colorado Avalanche if they go into the next game or the remainder of the series without their number one goaltender, a guy that they're pinning their hopes on. Uh, Again, this has been a weird NHL playoffs with the number of second string, third string goaltenders that have been playing in these playoffs. Uh, The Colorado Avalanche may have to go to their backup goaltender in game two. Francois wind up, uh, he, or he wound up stopping 18 out of 21. So interesting stats for the goaltender. He also gets the win because he would have been in net when the Avalanche scored their game-winning goal. So that's part of the story tonight. 780-496-0063. We have Cam standing by. Hey, Cam, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, just wondering, uh, I didn't think Jesse played very good tonight. So I'm just wondering, uh, why is the coach not going to be taking him out? Or the reason is probably because he doesn't have anybody else that could do anything better. The question is, why does he keep him in there? Well, I mean, he, he's part of the team that has gone to the third round of the playoffs. Uh, he scored a big goal in, in the last game of the Calgary Flames series. Um, I, this is an other team that, I mean, tonight they really only played seven forwards. They had five guys under 10 minutes. Uh, at, at some point they might change, but again, this is, I mean, the team just went four and one against the Calgary Flames. I don't think you're going to change the lineup coming into the next series 
when you just had a we won the Battle of Alberta quite handily. Uh, I think that possibly Holloway would be the next player up if they do go to another player offensively, especially someone as a skilled player. But um, Yessi, there's other players, I believe, below Yessi possibly on the depth chart for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I, I think they need more out of him. I 100% agree. Uh, he sometimes looks like he lacks confidence on the ice and didn't really notice him much in this hockey game tonight. This was a game that was on the backs of about six or seven Edmonton Oilers forwards, and the other four or five, you didn't really notice a whole lot. Yeah, he was the low ice time man for Edmonton tonight at seven minutes, 33 seconds. And, uh, yeah, just checking. Yeah, he's the low ice time man. I think the one thing, though, Rob, is and it's going to be our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. Every line scored, including the fourth line, and I, I know they still didn't play a ton, but they play, I mean, Cassian played 816. Archibald played 853. They were both under five minutes in the last game against Calgary, and Ryan got the goal. He played 939. Well, I mean, they did get a shift once the, they got the last shift, so they played about a minute there. Uh, they actually were effective. Um, they, they did score a goal. It's, they need everyone. If you're going to win a Stanley Cup or if you're going to move on to the Stanley Cup finals, you, you're going to have to get depth scoring. You're going to have to have players that step up from the bottom of your lineup and do something special. Um, tonight, uh, they got that was a big goal by Derek Ryan, and it was, uh, I mean, it was part of the comeback. Part of a reason that the Oilers did push at the end. Uh, I, I agree with the caller. I think, yes, he was uh, probably the weakest of the forwards tonight. And I don't know if they make a change yet, but they do need more out of Yessi Pugliar because he, I mean, he starts each game on the second or third line and they need more out of him. Uh, whether it's just, just a physical presence, he just needs to play heavier. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what they need him as a third line player. Play heavier, get in the, uh, way, um, lean on, the defenseman. If you're out there against Taves or, or McCarr, lean on him. He doesn't have to run them through the board, but if he leans on him, he's a big, heavy man that just over the course of one games, two games, three games, if you're leaning on the defenders of the opposition, it will wear them down. Yeah, I just don't know if he has that mentality, Rob. Oh, no, I don't. The old well, saying, if they don't bite when they're puppies, they're never going to bite. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that as I got a puppy in my house that nibbles on my feet all the time, but uh, you're right. It's not in his DNA, but we've seen over the course of our years together, and I've seen over the course of my career, players change who they are to fit what they're, where they're needed. And the players that don't change find themselves either in a different team or a different league. Because uh, if it's not working with what you're doing, find something else that works. Because if, the, if you don't, they'll find someone else to do it for you. I think Yessi sometime will have to realize right now where he is on the depth chart and start playing like a player that is lower on the depth chart that means being physical, being a little nasty, being heavy. That's what the Oilers need from him right now. They don't need top six minutes from him right now because they don't have a top six spot for him. All right, Avalanche beat the Oilers 8-6 in game one. More of your phone calls coming up, but back to Denver. Here are Mike Smith and Connor McDavid. What do you think, sort of, what happened in this game with you guys? Similar uh, start to our last series, ultimately. Um, obviously, just weren't good enough from the start. Uh, game gets away from us, and then obviously we battle back and make it a hockey game at the end. But it's not good enough from the start. Um, yeah, Connor, just to your, to your left. Um, you know they're a fast team. You're a fast team. You guys played fast games, but were they even faster than you guys expected early? Did, did they come out surprising you guys? They're a real good team. Uh, they're quick, like you said. We expected that. Um, you know, it was. Uh, 
they had a good start. We didn't have a great start. Uh, and we got the first goal, but you know, we were a little bit on our heels there um, right from the get-go. So, um, you know, real similar to our last series. Left side, Robbie. Right, Connor, your, your team kind of down the stretch made its bones on, on structure and defense and, and winning close games, closing things out. Uh, in the playoffs, you've had a few of these Wild West shootouts. Is that something that's just a, a byproduct of having to come from behind, or is it something that's getting away from you that needs to be changed? Um, it's probably a little bit of both there. Um, you know, obviously, we're down 7-3 or whatever it was there, and we got to open it up, and we got we to take some chances. Um, you know, so maybe it gives it that run-and-gun feel. Um, that's obviously not the game we want to play. Um, you know, just not good enough uh, all over. Um, you know, but some, some, you know, a lot of stuff that, uh, a lot of stuff that we can clean up. You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that uh, was self-inflicted. Um, like I said, they're a real good team. You give them chances, they're gonna, they're gonna bear down and score. So um, we got to defend. At the same time, we found a way to get six. So. Um, you know, it was uh, real similar to, to game one last year. Front left. Yeah, I'll address this to, to Mike. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if you saw the zone entry, but were you surprised that the goal, third goal by Kale McCarr was, was allowed? And can you explain maybe how it changed the course of the game for you guys? Oh, I honestly had no idea it was even close, to be honest. So I, I didn't really get a good look at it. So I'm not sure. Mike, just uh, just how do you assess uh, your, your performance tonight? I mean, you know, getting pulled is, is not what anybody wants, but but what did you see out there from that? I mean, that's pretty, you nailed it. When you're on the bench halfway through the game, it's not a good sign. Um, saying that, I mean, it's one game and we've been in this position before, so you park it and move on. It's a long series. Front right, Mark. I guess I'd ask you, You've been around a long time, seen a million different things, and you watched some of this one from the bench. Just the spectacle of what happened tonight. This was a 7-3 game that was, they're facing off with a minute and a half to go, 7-6. Can you put into perspective sort of what we saw tonight and this, uh, all the things that happened? No, obviously we don't like game ones um, of series, but um, that being said, we're, we're a resilient group that, that doesn't just roll over and die. Um, that's an encouraging part. Obviously, when you're giving up touchdowns in the last two series in game one, I, I think it's it's not a good sign. But I think it's uh, it shows a lot about our team that when we're down, we're, we're not out of the fight. And uh, we'll continue to battle right to the end and um, play for each other. So obviously, that's a good sign. But lots to clean up. Mike Smith and Connor McDavid, Oilers lose 8-6 to the Avalanche. I just saw on Twitter here Rob Josh Dubow, who I, I do not know, but he's a, a sports writer with the Associated Press. He says teams to lose two playoff games in one season when scoring six or more goals in a game. Well, this year's Oilers lost 9-6 to Calgary and 8-6 tonight. And the uh, 1985 Montreal Canadiens, lost a game 7-6 to Boston and 7-6 to the uh, Quebec Nordiques. So oddly enough, they both won a round. Uh, I'm just checking if... Uh, <laughs> if Mon I don't think Montreal beat Quebec that year. I think they beat Boston and lost to Quebec. So it is, it is, it is just one game. Uh, you know, I think the concern with Colorado... Yes, I think the Oilers have to clean things up. Uh, the Avalanche come at you with with speed and, and force, uh, certainly more than Los Angeles and even more than Calgary. And we know some of their top guys didn't have a, a great series. But, um, the, like, how much of this is 
I'll ask you this way. What specifically do the Oilers have to clean up first to prevent the avalanche from coming like they did? Uh, puck management. Uh, there were too many turnovers, too many poor decisions with the puck. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, uh, they've got good players on all their lines, as you saw with the, the number of lines that scored and, and the chances they got. Like, their third and fourth lines had two-on-ones, and, and they had they made unbelievable plays on their two-on-ones. So you can't create odd-man breaks for the opposition by uh, hope plays or by um, making 50-50 reads. You, you've got to... Uh, play smarter defensively. The Oilers are going to score goals. They, they've got the two best players in the National Hockey League who are on these heaters that are just nobody's seen before. Like they're, they're, they're scoring at the rate of Wayne Gretzky. So the Oilers are going to score goals, but you, you, you can't cheat to do it. Connor and Leon, I mean, they're both plus in the, in, in the playoffs. They're not, be, they're not on the ice for the goals against. So the other players have to make sure that they make the right decisions. You can't, uh, try to force something when uh, Kale McCarr's on the ice. You can't try to uh, make a hope play when McKinnon's on the ice because if the puck turns over, those guys are gone and you don't catch them. They are fast. So to me, the biggest thing the Oilers have to be better at is puck management, just understanding uh, sometimes a safe play is the right play and don't give the odd man breaks going the other way because the Oilers gave up eight goals. And there's a highlight package at the end of the game that they are showing on the television. There was like five breakaways that they didn't score on tonight. So they scored eight goals without scoring on five other breakaways. So the others have to be much better defensively. One game is not a series, and we've seen that so far in the playoffs. But the Colorado Avalanche are a much better hockey club than any team the others have played this year. So the others got to play much better than they have in the first two playoff rounds. Quickly update the scoreboard here for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. We'll go to the Western Hockey League tonight. And in the third period, early in the third, Seattle leads Kamloops 3-1. That's Game 7. The winner comes here on Friday to play the Oil Kings in Game 1 of the Championship Series, 7 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon here at Rogers Place. The Oil Kings will host the first two games of the series. The rest of the schedule is TBA. We will go back to the Certainty Hotline. Carl is standing by. Carl, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. I, I just left the game, and, uh, you know, I like the start tonight. I thought the Oilers were playing the body, and uh, I agree with what Rob was saying, just about, you know, some turnovers and some sloppiness in, in the end. I like how McCloy played tonight, actually, and um, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm bullish on these Edmonton Oilers, and, uh, you know, Connor and Leon have been playing otherworldly, and I do agree that Colorado is a formidable opponent, but I think that... Uh, if we can clean it up, I think things can happen. Yeah, I think I think you're 100% right. There are positives in this game. One was they scored, they did score six goals. Uh, and most nights, that's enough to win. They scored six goals on the road against a good team. And the other thing that uh, we haven't even touched on is how effective their power play looked. Like it was, it was like it has been most of this season. It looked unstoppable. And going forward, Colorado's smart. They don't take a lot of penalties. But anytime the Oilers are within two in this any game in this series, they're one penalty away from being within one because that's how good their power play was tonight. So, yeah, it's it's one game. It's uh, it was an exciting game. We're all disappointed in the way it finished, but I don't think that you, there should be discouragement amongst Oilers fans 
that they're down one nothing to Colorado. This series has the makings of being a long series, and it should. Two good hockey clubs, and both teams have shown their the ability to score goals, which for me and and most fans is what you want to see. So, uh, both teams need better goaltending going forward. And I would expect both to have it. The one advantage the others have right there is, is they probably have their starter for game two. And it's unknown right now if the Colorado Avalanche do. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting storyline to see how uh, Kemper is out of this. What, what, what did you th- I mean, Colorado comes in with so much speed. What did you think of the Oilers' gap control tonight? Um, well, at times, poor. Um but there's a fear when you see someone like Nathan McKinnon coming at full speed. I know that there was an outdoor game a few years ago where they had uh, Peter, Peter Angelo uh, mic'd up and they showed Nathan McKinnon pick the puck up behind his own net. And, and Peter Angelo's like, oh, no, oh, no, we're in trouble here. And, that, and he was at center. And so there's a fear. It's, it, McKinnon skates like McDavid does. So it, sometimes you're like, okay, I don't want to get too close to him because if I get too close to him, He's going to go by me. So you start cheating further back and further back. But when you do that, you open up across the ice. And we saw the Colorado Avalanche do that a number of times today where they came in wide, but the others had backed up so far, they started going across. And that's hard for a defender to now go sideways. And it just allowed the Colorado Avalanche to move from the boards into a scoring area. So the others do have to do a better job of gapping up. We saw the Colorado Avalanche try to do that with McDavid where they gapped up every time the puck came out, they tried to be right up on him, not allowing him to get speed. So I, that's something they'll talk about. The, other, the Oilers were not good defensively in just about every aspect there was. So there's a lot of things for Woodcroft and Manson to look at. But yeah, I 100% read the, the Oilers gap was not good in a lot of instances tonight. 8-6, the Avalanche win it. We got a full board of calls. Everybody's getting in. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Kulak down low right circle, back door, tipped home. Game tied. Zach Hyman, a goal in six consecutive playoff games. That ties a club record, and it ties the opener of the Western Conference Final at 2 all. Yeah, goal and six straight for Hyman. That's enough to earn him the fourth star of the game for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. The three stars picked in Denver. McCarr won, Comfort two. He had a couple of goals, and McDavid, the third star, he had three points. He now has 29 points in 13 playoff games, which seems absurd. Uh, The last guy to get to 40 was Gretzky in 1993. The Oilers could be eliminated in this round and McDavid still might get to 40 points. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> that's that's why you have hope as an Oilers fan, is so far three teams haven't figured a way to stop Connor and Leon. I mean, they're they're averaging two and a half points a game. So you, you got to think that every game the Oilers play, they're going to score two and a half, three goals. So that's a good way to start games. But uh, you just played that bit and, and talked about Zach Hyman, Reed. I mean, he tied an Oilers record for goals in consecutive games. This is a a franchise that has had Gretzky and Curry and Messier uh, and now the Connor and Leon. Like, Hyman was brought in, for me, for playoff hockey. And he has delivered. He's been excellent through the the first, what are they at now, 13 games in the playoffs. He has been absolutely excellent. And he brings something to... We talk about how Nugent Hopkins touches every aspect of the game, and he does. 
Zach Hyman does it too. He just does it a, a different way with a physicality that the others have lacked over the last number of years. 8-6, the Avalanche take the first game of this series. It uh, it was as crazy as the score suggests if you weren't able to watch all of it. 3-2 uh, Avs after the first, 7-4 Avs. After the second, the Oilers got it to 7-6 on goals from Ryan and Nugent Hopkins. First of the playoffs for Ryan, by the way. Landeskog sealed it with a late empty netter. Okay, back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Kathy standing by. Kathy, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. We listen to the games all the time on the radio, football and hockey. Can you do anything about the ambient noise? Because it is so hard to hear the play-by-play. Well, I'll pass uh, I'll pass that along to, to people. Um I think it varies from rink to rink. I don't have a technical knowledge of how it's put together. Uh, I think in radio we want a little bit of ambient noise. We want crowd noise and puck going off the glass. If it's distracting, I'll pass that along that you thought that was the way it sounded tonight. Uh, 7804960063. We also have David standing by. Hi, David. Appreciate you calling. Go ahead. Hey, fellas. So just uh, for full disclosure, I'm a neutral fan, not a Flames fan, but I'm an Alberta hockey fan. And I was really interested to hear you guys' take on the uh, the penalty. I thought it was really refreshing. I have to give you kudos because I was like, God damn, this is exactly right. I want to build off that a bit. And um, I've had the thought before, not that you should have to watch the replay in uh, real time at full speed. I think you should be given... 10, 15, 30 seconds, like a short window where it's obvious at any replay speed, either it's a bad call or it's a good call. Because I think you're absolutely right, talking about the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. And I think if you go by the cold, hard letter of the law, then both both calls were right. But I think if you're going with the spirit of the law, then Calgary's goal should have counted and Colorado's goal should not have counted. That's sort of where I think I come down there. I I like that. It's another good thought. To me, not having it in slow motion, uh, it it allows eyesight. It's like, okay, here's what I saw. But the way you said it too, okay, if if it takes you nine minutes or six minutes (laughs) to figure it out one way or another, and there was one the other night in the Tampa-Florida game, I think it was nine minutes it took them. And if it takes that long, well, then you know what? Let's just, we'll go with our original call because right now, now we're looking for something. As, as you said earlier, Reed, now we're trying to find something that we think we saw or we think happened. So I, another option, but yeah, it's, to me, it, it there are, there's going to be mistakes. And if the mistake is a one inch play where it was one inch offside or, or something along that line, well then, you know what? It has no relevance in the game. And I think that's the biggest thing too. There's things that no relevance. It had nothing to do with the goal being scored or not being scored. So let's just forget about those ones and just concentrate on the hockey play. And uh, tonight, I, tonight, just tonight was just weird. I've been around this league forever, and I still, I was shocked by that. And I understand the rule, but it's just weird. I'm still here. I am 40 years into my hockey uh, career, and still there's things that surprise me and shock me, and actually educate me. Now I should clarify though. The, the call on the ice was a goal. So if they would have said, okay, yep. let's just look at it quickly and not be too sure about it, that, that, well, that might have not, not helped you. But yours. if they look at, at it quickly, quickly, maybe they do see the offside and they don't have to redo it a number of times to see if he touched it or didn't touch it. Because when I first saw the replay, I'm like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. It's offside. Well, and that's what the Oilers thought. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I know that one of the reporters asked, are you wary of, of, make, of having your video coach 
make that decision again. I mean, to me, I, I, I think if they knew everything, they would still would have challenged that one today. I think that was the absolute 100% right call to do. Unfortunately, it just worked out wrong for them. Yeah, okay. Oilers lose 8-6. We also have Rocket on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Rocket. Go ahead. Yeah, Rob, I'm, I'm an IT guy and uh, work with Brian Ross in, in video at the Oilers, and absolutely uh, there's no question in my mind that's offside. I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I, I played hockey and lacrosse since I was four years old. I coached lacrosse now and i can tell you one thing about this series very similar from the calgary series to this series nine six eight six there's there's more to this than meets the eye this open wild west high-flying scoring thing like jay woodcroft this guy is amazing in both games he rallies the team we come back we make it i guarantee you we win game two because of this coach there's no question in my mind well, I hope you're right. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I, I, I still have some questions. I wouldn't go with the guarantee, but uh, the, the Oilers, the series is just starting. I mean, it's a seven-game series. It's not a best of three. So I, I think the Oilers feel pretty good about their game, and they know that they have to clear, clean some things up, and, and they will. The, both teams, I would imagine, would be better defensively next game because Colorado Avalanche won this hockey game. They were not good defensively at times tonight. They made a lot of big mistakes that allowed the Edmonton Oilers to score goals too. Yeah, I mean they 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 were. I mean they get the win. But yeah, yeah. They they were up seven three with twenty three minutes left in the game or twenty four. 23 and a half minutes left in the game. So they're thinking, okay, this shouldn't be tense for the final six. But, and and, and having said that, it, it, it's it's good on the Oilers. And you can say, well, the Oilers mounted this great comeback, which they did. But this isn't the first time Colorado has, has given up a big lead. In an elimination game, they were up 3 nothing on the St. Louis Blues and lost that hockey game. So uh, this is a team that uh, now is there a seed of doubt? Uh, now are they more looking at the clock than finishing a game off? So uh, there, there were again there were some positives out of this game for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, I'm looking. I honestly, Reed, I can't wait for the next game well, to start. I, because I think it's completely yeah, entertained. I mean, I I think it's awesome. I know people are disappointed in the result tonight, and yes, the Oilers could do a lot of things better. But if you didn't care who won this game, you're not missing another minute in this series. Well, and and Reed, that goes. This is uh, all across America. This is the 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 North American and, and the American crowd seeing Connor McDavid in a very high stakes playoff atmosphere and Nathan McKinnon anyone that was watching down in the states anyone across Canada that's not just an Oilers fan or an Avs fan this was one an incredible hockey game to watch and they're tuning in to game two three four five six and seven because they were highly entertained with what we saw tonight eight six the avalanche take it uh side note from the stats I was just looking I, I know not everybody considers plus minus much of a stat anymore. I still look at it sometimes. Uh, the only Oiler who was plus tonight was Brett Kulak, who was plus two, and he was he was good. Uh, it's becoming and Craig McTavish called it, and he, I believe was talking to you actually yep. when he said it. He really liked that pickup at the trade deadline 
and Kulak, I, I've liked him as a player. I didn't realize how good he was. He's been excellent for the Edmonton Oilers since they got him. All right, so we have uh, Frank on the open line as well. Hi, Frank, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, well, if you're superstitious lot, losing the first game usually means that we're going to win the series anyway. And uh, uh, listening to the interviews afterwards, uh, I think what this team has been able to do in the past series and, and learned this year is how to flush, uh, you know, a bad result like this one and maybe controversial because of the referee calls, et cetera. With regard to the call, the only thing I would say is, I was listening to Rob, uh, the definition of control of the puck is now going to change not just for offsides, but it's going to change for a lot of things. And, of course, my favorite penalty being that interference call means that if a player who has the puck gets hit, it's usually legal. But now if he pushes the puck six inches forward and he gets creamed, it's interference. And uh, <laughs> think of what could happen with McDavid, you know, just nudging the puck a little bit and taking most of the hits that he took. Uh, and It's automatic interference the way that I would uh, reinterpret control of the puck. I don't well, know that's what really yeah. think, but thanks for the discussion tonight. Thanks, Frank. I mean, good points. And, and what I was trying to say at the beginning when we first talked about this, read, and that's exactly what Jay Woodcroft talked about. He goes, Kelma card didn't realize this guy was offside and he had control of the puck going across the the, the blue line his stick might not have touched it for a, a split second but at no point was he not controlling the puck so i think that's what's uh befuddling a lot of oiler fans having said that entirely incredible hockey game we got to be part of tonight and i can't wait to see game two well, and McCars, I, I, I was saying it the last couple of days, he's a key to the series for me because if the Oilers can't find a way to slow him down, they, they don't have a def- – I mean, McDavid and McKinnon, they, they might offset each other point-wise. You know, I, I like I'm speaking very generally because yeah, yeah. one guy may be able to win an individual game, but there's, there's no defenseman on the Oilers who could go out and potentially average two points a game in the series. I mean, McCars that good. Well, what is Makar, is he third or fourth in the, the National Hockey League in playoff scoring right now? He's good. Like, I remember when, and it's funny, Tyson Berry talking about it, saying the first time I stepped on the ice with him, I realized my days in Colorado were numbered because he's that good. And I remember his first game in the playoffs against the Calgary Flames, how good he played as this young kid coming out of the AJHL. He, he is, I mean, we're going to get, we're, we're lucky we get to watch the entire careers of Leon and Connor. Well, we're going to see Cal McCarr a lot over the next few years being in the Western Conference. He is everything they said he was, and if not more, he was dominant in this game tonight. He's the one that came up with big plays at the right moments for the Colorado Avalanche. And, and you're right, uh, Reed. There, he's a guy that when you go put him out against Connor McDavid, A, he's got the speed to be able to defend Connor, but B, he has the ability to jump up into plays and get the Oilers' best players back on their heels because he can turn a three-on-three into a four-on-three or a two-on-two into a three-on-two because there's nobody on the on the Edmonton Oilers that can catch him because he's that fast too. He's got Connor McDavid's speed, so he was wonderful in this hockey game tonight. He's sixth in playoff scoring with 16 points in 11 games. He leads the Avalanche to an 8-6 win over the Oilers in game one of the West Final. More from you, and you'll hear from Settle and Nurse on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Comes off the board, tries to the back door, score! And the tennis cut it to 7-6! 
Well, the Oilers could not tie it. Nuge with the final goal for the Oilers tonight. Colorado wins it 8-6. Fifth goal of the playoffs for Nugent Hopkins. Dry Settle and McDavid with the assist. By the way, we mentioned Zach Hyman has scored in six consecutive playoff games to tie an Oilers team record held by Essa Tikkanen. 8-6, the Avalanche win this one. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome John to the show. Hi, John. Go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. I want to say uh, Kale McCarr is basically the closest thing we have in the league today to a modern-day Paul Coffey. Um, the great Kyle Dubas, with his uh, infinite wisdom, kept a gutless puke like William Nylander, who you're never, ever, ever going to win anything okay. with, well, why are we over, over a guy like players, Zach John. Hyman. Okay. What's that? Why are we picking on the Leafs? They're out. They're, they're well, I know, but I'm just saying, like... Playing. I know, but like Zach Hyman is blood and guts hockey player, which is what the Leafs need, and uh, he kept an uh, idiot like William Nylander. Um, and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi kind of reminds me of a modern-day Dustin Penner. Like, there's so much there, but, like, we can't quite get it out of him. Like, um, and my question for you and uh, Reed, Rob, is how good of a skater is Dylan Holloway, like, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10? Is he, like, a 5 or a 6? Because if I think if he's a real burner, we might get a chance to see him in there uh, in the playoffs. And uh, that's all I got yeah. I, I, I would think he would be rated as above average from what I've I've seen and heard. I've heard more than I've seen. Uh, Dustin Petter had uh, four 20-plus school seasons. Yeah, I think. Don't forget. Yeah, I think. I think we. Yes, he would love to get to Dustin Penner status. I mean, hopefully at some point past it, but uh, I don't think he's become Dustin Penner yet. He was an effective player for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I for me, Holloway, it's, it'd be word of mouth. I've never seen him skate so. Uh, we might see him in this series. I'm, I'm sure that uh, uh, they, the Oilers would love some to add something to their depth, but uh, I'm not sure they'll make that change yet. Having said that, they need more out of Yessi Pugliarvi. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go back to Denver. We have Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. And just maybe take us through that, that first period, obviously your first playoff, look at these guys and, and maybe the speed they brought at you. How to, what do you think happened there in that first period? Um, yeah, I mean, you can't get squared on three times. It doesn't matter what, what game it is. Um, you're obviously chasing it from there on. So, um, yep, we'll be better. Darnell, just uh, to your right here, um, it was a wild game, of course. Uh, you experienced it, but what did you think of just how you guys kind of kept coming back? And, and maybe with a break late in the game, it's it's a tie game and into overtime. Yeah, we stuck with it, but I uh, give up. Seven empty net or eight. It's tough to win in this league this time of the year if you're giving up that many goals. Go over on the left side here. Darnell, I asked because you were on the ice. What did you see on that that third goal, the Kale McCarr goal, that was ultimately challenged but but uh, upheld by the officials? Uh, I'll end up being a goal. That's all that matters. Questions for the guys? Go to Robbie on the left. For Leon, you guys have been in a few of these wild uh, uh, shootouts. Is that sort of a, a byproduct of chasing the game? And is, is it a style that, you know, sometimes is going to work for you or, or something you guys want to change and address? Well, yeah, we, we obviously have to change um, change something. You know, we, we can't be giving up that many goals um, and, and expect to win a Western Conference Finals game. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the second time this has happened. Um, yeah, we, we got to make sure we're ready to go right off the bat, and um, we'll, we'll be better. The, uh, your team is a quick team, and we've seen you skate with Colorado several times this year. 
tonight they were quicker than you in the meat of the game. Uh, is that a tactical thing that you change, or is it a mental thing that you change? How do you keep up better? I think it's both. Uh, we know that we can skate with them. We're, we're one of the fastest teams in the league, and, and, and when we play to our strength and play to our quickness, then um, we're a really hard team to handle. Um, yeah, I think you can, you can see spurts of it in, in the third period, but it's obviously not good enough if you're down... I don't know, 6-3 or, or whatever it is. So uh, you're just chasing the game from there on. So, um, yeah, we, we, we just got to come out a little little sharper, a little harder. Back in the middle. Similar question to you, Darnell, just uh, how to defend their, you know, their big guns when they're coming at you with that kind of speed. I know you'll look at the tape, but what's your initial feeling on maybe what you need to do better defensively against those guys? Yeah, you just got to be over top of them, master speed. Um, and, and I know myself personally, I didn't do it do that well enough and as a team we could do that uh, a lot better uh, just being aware of their speed where it's coming from reading through the play they're a good team they're, they're going to create lots of offense they have some special players um, and like Leon said we're going to be better and that's uh, that's on us to be ready for the next game We'll do two more up front, Tracy. Darnell, just wanted to get your thoughts on Miko Kostinen coming in in that situation, and uh, it seemed like he had a, a very good, uh, very good game in relief. Yeah, he played really well. Worked his tail off, made some huge saves to keep us in it there uh, late in the second and, and throughout the third. So, uh, no, Koski is uh, we have we have two really good goaltenders that we believe in, and he came in and had a had a really good performance for us, and like like I said, gave us a chance to to be in there in the end of the third. Last one on the left, Robbie. For Leon. Um, is, is there any solace to be had in the fact uh, the game that looked like it was going to be a blowout came down to one goal? Do you take anything from that, or is this, you know, you gave up eight? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a positive that there's no quit in our game. Um, but at this time of the year, you know, we, we know that already. Um, obviously, we, we've showed it again um, tonight, but... We don't want to be in these situations. That's not that's not how you win hockey games uh, this this time of year. So, um, like I said, uh, re regroup, um, adjust a couple things, and uh, we'll be better. Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse after the Oilers lose 8-6 to the Colorado Avalanche. We'll go back to the Certainty Hotline. Brian is on hold. Brian, appreciate the call. Go ahead. Hey, thanks. Uh, great hearing you guys again. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised right now that we're not hearing a lot of uh, complaints about uh, Smith. I think you really can't blame him on really any of the goals. There were a lot of the goals were nice shots. The last goal he allowed was a deflection in. He, I, I, had it not been deflected, I think he had it in his glove. So uh, yeah, I'm glad of that. He's a scrapper. He's a fighter, and I have absolutely 100% confidence he's going to come back in two and have a stellar performance like he has in the past. Uh, a comment that I'd uh, like to hear what you guys think is two areas I think they really do need to clean up on, though, is uh, is shots on goal. I mean, almost uh, 50, I think, tonight. I think they had 47. Yep. And, and uh, I'll just it almost seems like when they get the first goal or when they get a lead in the game, um, not in all cases, but they have uh, they have almost made it a habit of uh, of relinquishing control of the game um, and and allowing teams to come back within like 30 seconds, a minute, uh, two minutes, uh, and I'd love to hear your comments. 
Well, it happened tonight. I, I, I think, Reed, if I'm not wrong, the Oilers were undefeated when they scored first in the playoffs. Yes, they've been 6-0. and yep. Yeah, so uh, getting the lead, the Oilers are pretty good when they score first. They force teams to chase them. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche did a wonderful job tonight of every time the Oilers did score, they came out with the best, a better shift the next one. So that's on both the Oilers to be better after scoring and it's on the Colorado Avalanche understanding the importance of the next shift so uh, the Oilers have been lights out with the lead this or with scoring first this postseason and throughout the regular season so I don't think that is an issue at all for the Avatars because at one point weren't they like 19 and 0 during the regular season well yeah they were first? approaching a, a league record I think they I think they got to 22 but yeah yeah so yeah the Oilers scoring first is a good thing tonight it didn't work out but I, I have no problems with the way the Oilers usually start with a lead they're they're pretty well they pretty well lock it down okay eight six the avalanche win uh we got to get in the news and weather here more time for your calls as well seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three this is heartland ford overtime open line boilers hockey is brought to you by friesen brothers this is the heartland ford overtime open line here's reed wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Good old high event hockey, Avalanche 8, Oilers 6 in game one of the Western Conference Final. Rob, I, I hate to open the can of worms again, but I'm just looking at the rule book. Mm-hmm. If during the course of a delayed offside, any member of the attacking team touches the puck or attempts to gain possession of a loose puck, the linesman shall stop the play for the offside violation. So it seems to me if Makar wasn't touching the puck, he was trying to gain possession of a puck that wasn't on his stick that would be considered loose. So therefore, yeah, it should have been rolled, rolled, uh, called They should have blown the whistle on that one. Yeah, I, I don't, I honestly, I've been around the game forever. I don't understand it. And, and just like Jay Woodcroft said, and what I was trying to explain, it, it he, his stick may have been about a half an inch away from the puck. Kel McCarr was in full control of that puck at all times. All times. There was, there was never a chance that he was not in possession um, so it's, it is, I, I was literally, I was shocked just as it was like when the, the game in Calgary, but this one was even more shocked. I thought the referee misspoke when he announced that it was a good goal. So, uh, again, it's just one of the, the many things that happened in this hockey game that caused the others to lose the game, but it was a two goal swing. It was a goal that shouldn't have been counted in, in my eyes and one that created a power play where the. Uh, Colorado Colorado Avalanche took advantage of but yeah it it's it, it two games in a row I I learned something new in the game of hockey so I guess I'm not too old to learn new tricks well we learned that even the rules can be interpreted different ways by different people uh, I mean I did I don't know if you saw uh, Rob on Friday I wrote a little blog and I texted a whole bunch of people anonymously ex-players, ex-coaches, uh, a current player got back to me, and then I even just reached out to some fans who I, I, you know, who are, you know, well-spoken and have good opinions, and even though they're Oilers fans, I knew they'd be fair. And most people thought the Coleman play should have been a goal, but uh, one ex-coach wrote blatantly back to me right away. He said, kicked it, no goal. So, <laughs> even, you know, even on that, there was there was interpretation, and I guess we have that on, on this as well. Even uh, Even a rule book... Is not always black and white. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Baz is on the line. Hello, Baz. Yeah, hello, Reed Wilkins, and to the goat of the WHL, Rob Brown. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Blazers just lost to Seattle 3-2. They lost in Kamloops. Oh, thanks. I saw yeah. that. I thanks was for hoping, mentioning that. Yep. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to win and see a Kamloops-Edmonton yeah. final. That's too bad. Yeah. I got two questions, one for Reed and one for Rob. Quickly for Rob, uh, you played for the 1991 Pittsburgh Penguins that won the Cup. You played for them before you got traded for Scott Young. Did you get a Stanley Cup ring from them? Uh, no, but uh, 25 years of therapy almost had me over it, but thanks for bringing that up. I'll call my therapist tomorrow, and we'll get back on it. But, uh, no, I did not get a Stanley Cup. Oh, did they even no... give you? Oh, no. <laughs> they... no, they gave okay. me nothing. I, I did come back to town to watch them play a couple games in the playoffs. But, yeah, no, I was a Hartford Whaler at that moment. Okay. And then quickly for Reed, uh, just before I, I my question, I just thought the, the speed of Avalanche was so much on the Oilers' defense. Uh, there's one play in the third period. Landis Scott dumped the puck in. Nurse was just looking for his uh, defenseman pairing. And then Landis Scott just picks up his own puck, goes around the net, and then passes for a one-time. Larry Koskin, best game was the, of the playoffs or whatever, and makes a save. But for the offside call, did the linesman originally call the offside based on the delay offside or did he base it that the guy was not offside in the car they did not call offside on the ice the Oilers challenged for it to be offside and the ref they looked at the video replay and said the Oilers are wrong it's onside so the goal counts and the Oilers got a penalty is that did I explain that right right Yep, no, that was good. Yeah. Although I, I, it's funny, the, the play that he mentioned where Atlantis Gog dumped it in and then went in, it, I remember that play too. It's just another of a long list of miscommunications by the Oilers tonight. The puck went behind the net and both Nurse and his D partner, I think it was CeCe at that point, kind of both hesitated and Landis Gog just said, oh, okay, I'll go. And he went behind the net, picked the puck up and he did make a really good play. He made something out of nothing. It was a dump in that the Edmonton Oilers should have easily got won the race to and they didn't, and the miscommunic- miscommunication created a great scoring chance for Colorado. Those are things that the Oilers have to be better at in Game 2. All right, we have Addis on the Certainty Hotline. Addis, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, so I agree with you guys. This was an amazing, amazing game. I almost fell, out of, uh, I almost fell off my chair a few times watching this game. These teams are very high-paced, and I love it. Um, there's two other things I'd like to cover, and I apologize to you, Robin Reed. I know you're analyzing this over and over again, but I, uh, I'm i grateful that you guys are doing this. I don't analyze things over. I just move on, but this thing, this offside, I would like to give you my opinion because I do play sledge hockey, okay? And I've been offside more in my career than I've scored goals. Okay, so, so, okay, so I want to give you my definition. So when I'm when I'm on the opposing player's side and I'm over their blue line, and they're and my and my guys coming in with the puck, isn't that's offside to me, isn't it? So. I would like your opinion, and I apologize for you guys analyzing this again. And then I have one more question after. Um, can you tell me exactly what Toronto saw, please? Because Yes, I can to, tell you exactly case. what they're okay. saying. They are saying okay. that Makar pushed the puck over the blue line, and the blue line is always on side. It's like a magical zone that's always on side. So the puck is not into the Oilers' end until it's fully across the blue line. And they said when when the puck fully crossed the Oilers' blue line, Makar was not touching it, 
and then by the time he put his stick on it, Nikushkin had tagged up and was onside. That's what they're saying. That does not make sense at all. But like, just like uh, Rob, me, uh, just like all of us, we're learning new rules, right? Because there's two, uh, another goal in the Calgary series. Same thing. It's, it's, like, it's unbelievable, right? Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, okay, Darcy Kemper, I love the guy, but you're playing on the wrong team. Do you guys have a report? Like, how's he doing? Is he going to be back? Anything? Uh, I will double check. I didn't see anything. When I, I just was checking the last on social I, media. Yeah, the last I read, Reed, is that uh, they don't know. They they asked the coach. He says, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's nothing long-term. But, again, I, I'm guessing. But I when I watched it, it, it looked like the McLeod shot hit him up high. Uh, sorry, not the McLeod. The Fogel shot hit him up high. The puck bounced down off his body. McLeod put it in the empty net. I just think it's weird that uh, that he wasn't able to control that puck, and he was out very shortly after that. So to me, uh, something he, the puck caught him somewhere weird or someplace that could be hurt. He went to the bench. He talked to the coach, and the coach kind of looked at him and said, "Okay." And so he pulled himself. Uh, it wasn't anything lower body because he skated fine to the bench. I think that he got a puck somewhere in the collarbone or in that area and uh, felt that it wasn't good enough to continue. Uh, I, as a, a fan of the game, I hope he's fine and he's back in for game two, but you're always a little bit worrisome when he leaves a game and doesn't return in a game of that importance. So I would expect he would miss game two. Yeah, that's crazy. All four goalies in the game tonight. Uh, <laughs> Smith was pulled six goals on 25 shots. Koskinen stopped 20 out of 21, and uh, Kemper injured. So Francis came in, and uh, both Avalanche goaltenders allowed three tonight. 8-6, they win it. Tammy has called the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Tammy, go ahead. Hi, guys. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to start off by saying I listen to your pregame. The minute the game is over, I jump online to listen to your postgame analysis. I live in BC, uh, and, and I just love you guys. Um, so I want to start with saying that I have noticed a visceral change in the attitude of this team and really in the fan base as well in uh, in the belief that they have in themselves since Woodcroft came along. I, I, I love him. I think he is an amazing coach, and I think he has done so much to bring this team to a level of maturity that we haven't seen in many years. I'm, I'm recovering still from the 2006 uh, playoffs. But, um, you know, that being said, it, it's like I have a feeling of calm with the way this team is handling themselves, with the way they are dealing with adversity. And I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. And just it, it, and it comes from the top down, right, from Woodcroft down. Uh, my second comment is, what I noticed tonight is the neutral zone became like the Bermuda Triangle and the puck would just disappear whenever we got into the neutral zone with the turnovers. And I think that was a big area of the game where we suffered and that allowed the Avalanche to come along and score as many goals as they did. And my final comment is the pregame panel that I saw on Oilers TV today where they said they didn't expect to see a lot of goals in this series. <laughs> I, have to, I have to call them out on that because we saw a lot of goals in this first game. And uh, 
you know, I think Smith is playing amazing. I, I'm just really feeling so proud of this whole team and, and everything that they're doing and, and love to hear your comments on that. Well, I, I think you make some good points. I, I think the team is more resilient. I think they obviously have shown they can come back because they've done it in the playoffs, both in games and in the series. They Don't forget they were down 3-2 going to Los Angeles in the first round. And I think, and Rob, that was something we used to talk about with, with Tippett. And maybe it wasn't, you know, people used to say, we had one caller who say maybe it's not his his fault, but it's his problem, is that the Oilers would fall behind in games and one or two nothing felt insurmountable. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, they had that losing streak where they lost six, remember they had the homestand? They lost the first five games of the homestand and they allowed the first goal every single game and they could never catch up, never catch up. So, yeah, I think probably some of that is Woodcroft and I, and I would, think and I'm curious what you think I, I would also think some of that is the players saying okay enough is enough like we can't we can't get rattled but down one or two goals we got to stick yeah I, I, I agree with you first I love the fact that our callers are using words like visceral I, I mean I had to look it up I like we got smart <laughs> callers out there um, but I, I think it, you're right it's a combination of both uh, I, I never really knew Jay Woodcroft I'd met him a couple times when he was here under the staff of Todd McClellan I got to travel with the Oilers uh, to a game and, and help out doing color in, in Calgary. So I got to have the opportunity to talk to him. He's a very calm man. He just he he just exudes, you know, confidence, belief. I think that no, no, more belief than confidence. He believes in his players, believes in himself, believes in the team. And when you have a coach that has that belief and just a, a quiet confidence about them, as a player, you're like, okay, you look back, well, he looks calm. Okay, I, I'm fine. Okay, we're down two nothing, or we're down six two, or seven three. Man, it doesn't seem to be affecting him, and, and it does. So you don't get rattled. And I and I played for both kinds of coaches. I played for coaches that uh, they're yelling and screaming, and, and you could they're they're rattled. And and all of a sudden, as a player, you're like, oh, okay, there must be something going wrong. We're never going to come back. So I think that's something that he has brought in, to this team. And I and then the other half is the players have that belief, and because the players have the belief and the coach has the belief. Me as a fan, I never thought this game was out of reach today. I kept saying, well, it's 7-3 now. You know, if they score one more before the period's out, and then in the if they get a power play early in the third, there's just that belief now because, A, they've done it before, uh, and, B, they, they seem to play better. when, the, As I said earlier, the deeper the hole, the better they play. And that is, I mean, you don't want to be in those holes, but it just gives you the, the, the confidence that y- you can come back. And it does... It, it, and it show, goes on the other team that there's a fear. Like, this is a team that's done that before. They just scored. They made it 7-6. They don't stop. So this is a – before the Oilers, I wouldn't say quit, but they would be in despair on the bench when they fell behind. I think now it's a team that's like, well, okay, we're going to have to score eight tonight, guys. Here we go. And I think that's what makes it so much fun for the fans is no game is ever over right now with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And as for uh... – Tammy's other point uh, I'm not going to comment on incorrect predictions because I make a lot myself. I've just been communicating with someone else who really understands the NHL rulebook and I said I said, okay but what about the rulebook saying like I said to you Rob coming back from the break mm-hmm. if it's a delayed offside it's blown dead and if, it, if an attacking player attempts to play the puck and the reply I got is Makar is not an attacking player because he's still in the neutral zone. So this is incredibly technical and perhaps incredibly uh, 
you, they obviously have not watched the Edmonton Oilers play because when Connor McDavid is in the neutral zone, he's attacking, and any player in the National Hockey League will tell you, well, okay, Connor's attacking. And the puck's in the attacking zone. So, yeah, it's very, it's extremely te- technical and extremely, but I've had a couple people I've talked to insist saying that this is the way it's been for several years and that in replay they will look at it frame by frame. Uh, to, to make sure they get it right. So, I mean, that, that's the call. I, I mean, it is, on one level, as a sports fan, I do kind of find it interesting to talk about, but, I, mm-hmm. but you know, there are other reasons the Oilers uh, lost tonight. Hey, K-Jam, my goodness, what a pleasure to hear from you. Go ahead, sir. Hey, yeah, no, I'm glad to have me, uh, or glad that you had me tonight. I um, wanted to echo your last caller's call uh, about uh, the effect of Woodcroft, especially. You had Dreisaitl's comments on the air earlier, and uh, I thought that he had a little bit of a great analysis and breakdown from from the team's perspective of, of what's going on and what needs to be changed. Um, on the game, uh, I think that, you know, despite disliking the result, um, the way that this series may be shaping up, if it's a reflection of what we're looking at from game one, is is this is the heck of this is a heck of a series and what we've all been looking forward to in terms of of entertaining level hockey at the, the highest level and I'm I'm super excited that we're gonna be a part of it. Um, on the Kale McCar goal, I think that um, like I, I would agree with with what seems to be the sentiment I'm getting from when I tuned in around Drysaddle's comments, that you know it's it's kind of felt between yourself and maybe Rob that this this equates to possession. Um, but if if you know you take a look technically at the rule book, and I and I, I, I expressed this a little bit at the time on social media, if this is the way that this call is supposed to be made and it was executed properly then this is a very high iq play and um well executed zone entry from kale mccarr um who's arguably in in the top five i I might even argue in the top two players in the whole league um so you know to to witness that brilliance if that is the call um versus to have to experience the pain of of uh such an incredibly uh uh what seems to be obviously possession call on the opposite if uh if the call wasn't made correctly and the the dichotomy of that it's just an, an interesting play to be a part of and to be able to look at. And, um, you know, uh, I, I haven't been able to see the consensus amongst the league on social media as uh, the experts chime in. And you guys have shared a little bit of your comments. Appreciate that. But um, what an incredible series we're looking at here. And, uh, like, you know, um, have you guys – are you guys able to share as I, as I sort of sign off here? Appreciate your time. Um, what your your feedback is from the consensus on the uh, around the league as to, to how they felt the call was? Yeah, Oilers fans think it's horse crap. Uh, you know, so, fans <laughs> love it. So what about what about the rest of the? Well, you know, I saw Bob McKenzie call? say it was the right call. I, I've been in touch with a couple former referees who say it was uh, the right call. Though I do think they're probably going to defend their brethren if it comes down to that. Mm-hmm. Darren Drager said it was the right call. Um, but I, I I I get like Rob is saying, but it's it's hard to understand it because it looks like he's he's a, pl- a player attacking the blue line with the puck. Anyway, it'll live in infamy, Rob. <laughs> what can we do?
Okay, more calls coming up. Oilers lose 8-6 to the Colorado Avalanche in Game 1 of the West Final. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers lose 8-6 to the Avalanche in the Western Hockey League. Seattle over Kamloops 3-2 to decide the Western Conference. So Thunderbirds and Oil Kings in the league final. And because of arena availability taken away from Seattle because of school graduations five of the games will be in Edmonton if it goes the distance it'll be Edmonton June 3rd and 5th Seattle June 7th and 8th and then Edmonton June 11th 13th and 14th wow that I mean that's shocking there's enough rinks in, in Seattle couldn't they have moved it to a different arena I don't know. I just double-checked with someone from the Oil Kings. I said, what's in... Because I heard about this. Uh, I believe Derek Van Deest mentioned this to me a few days ago, that this could happen. And I kind of was like, okay, well, we don't even know who's going to win yet. And I just checked, what's in Seattle again for the end of the series? And uh, my buddy with the Oil Kings said, school graduations. Wow. I mean, if I'm the Seattle, if I'm Seattle I'd rather play in Portland. I'd rather play in a neutral site game than play... Yeah, five I games. They, I wonder if they thought about even putting Game Six in Red Deer or something like that. Any anything, thought, yeah. well, or or further away in BC, something that's not going to have the entire stands full of Edmonton Oil King fans. But uh, good for the Oil Kings. I mean, you could play the series on the moon. The Oil Kings are going to win it. So <laughs> that's a very confident, bold prediction, Reed. But uh, the Oil Kings are a very good hockey club. We have Brian on the line as well. Hey, Brian, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. What was Darnell Nurse tonight, plus minus? Darnell Nurse was minus two. Because mm, he didn't look very good. Well, it, it was it's one of those games. You know it's not a good game where every time they show a highlight of you getting scored on, they always pan on Darnell Nurse. Like, almost every time it's like, there's Darnell looking up at the scoreboard to see what happened. It was a tough night for Darnell in his in his, line, or his defensive pair. It, he did not have as strong a game that he needed, but there was a number of players defensively that didn't for the Oz, but Darnell Nurse was one of them. Yeah, he was on the ice for, uh, I believe, four goals against, but one of them was the power play goal, so that wouldn't be a minus. And I guess that would make him on the ice for we must been on the goal on the ice for at least one goal four. He would have had to be, right? Yep. McLeod. Yep, he was on the right. ice for McLeod's goal. So okay. Yeah, tough night. Uh, nurse obviously playing through something as well, we're pretty sure. He played twenty minutes tonight. He usually gets Yeah. He hasn't looked the same. He hasn't been near as physical. And you haven't seen him uh lead the rush like we've seen over and over again throughout the year. So there is something bothering him. Uh, the others have done a pretty good job uh, protecting his minutes and spreading them out. Um, but the, tonight was an off night for Darnell. Oilers' leader in hits was Warren Fogle. He had six hits. He, he he played, was, he, this was his best game. Yeah, he, I, I agree. I thought he played very well tonight, very active, uh, taking the puck to the net. I mean, it was his shot that McLeod put in the net. The, you need uh, unsung heroes. Uh, the star players are going to be the star players, but other players are going to have to step up tonight. Uh, both teams' role players played very well in this hockey game. And we have Scott calling in as well. Hey, Scott, go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. Great show. Uh, 
just a couple comments and your thoughts on my comments. Um, well, I think the proof that McCarr had control of the clock was that he scored on the play. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty good shot, too. I mean, we got to give him credit yeah, for the Yeah, pretty shot. good shot. He passed the puck up to himself and scored on the play anyways. <laughs> so you win some, you lose some, I guess. So <laughs> from the call in the Calgary series to this call, so that's, that's hockey. Yep. And uh, my other comment was just on Nurse also. Um, yeah, he didn't have a good game. There was a play in the third period where the Colorado guy was coming in around behind the net. And Nurse just left it for the Colorado guy to go get the puck. And I got a couple friends of mine there watching the game with some kids. And even the kids are like, what is Nurse doing? <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about that one earlier. It was a miscommunication. He he just read it poorly. So it was, I guess, yeah. They, they need that much pain that he's making men- mental mistakes? or is he, uh, Possible. Uh, it, it's quite possible. For the Oilers to win, they need players like Darnell Nurse and Mike Smith to be better next game. And I would expect them both to be. But they do need to be better in this hockey game. I, I also thought, or I wish I could remember the defenseman now, I can't remember if it was Nurse or somebody else. The puck went slowly behind the net, but quick enough it was going to roll through the trapezoid. And the Oilers defenseman went almost to the hash marks, and then I felt it was as if they thought, oh, wait a minute, that's not Mike, that's Miko. i got to go get this myself. <laughs> Good point. And there, it, it's an incredible difference between Koskinen and Smith when it comes to playing the pucks and, and moving the pucks. And you, as a defenseman and as a forward, you do adapt your game to it. And the Edmonton Oilers had to adapt their game once Mike Smith left it. All right. Well, I think Mike Smith will be back in game two, and uh, we'll see where that goes. And, of course, that's coming up on Thursday, and it's right here on 6.30, Chet, 4 o'clock for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 6. Get more on this game on 6.30Chet.com, globalnews.ca, all your Oilers coverage there. Stoff has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 6.30, Chet. Oilers hockey is provided by Friesen Brothers. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. It's a wild start in the West Final. Avalanche 8, Oilers 6. Have a good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.